0: I was, uh... In Tennessee, when I was 15 years old, and uh, my buddies and I thought we were going to be professional wakeboarders. Does anybody else have those dreams that I get crushed? And uh, uh, we were shooting. We were we were on the in this this lake, my favorite place called Dale Hollow Lake, and it's in the mountains, and it's this beautiful lake. And my buddy he was a much better wakeboarder than me, and so I got into videography. I thought I was going to be also a videographer, and so yeah, the boat takes me down to this little ledge, and I get off the boat and I step over there, and I'm like, "You're going to get a great shot of my buddy." He's going to come right through the boat it'll just be this epic shot and as i get off the boat the boat starts to pull away and i hear it. and i look down right behind me is a snake i'd stepped right into its den and in that moment I do what everyone would do. I stood up courageously. I stomped that snake down. No, that's not what I happened. I jumped into the lake with my camera, and I swam as fast as I could away from the snake, forgetting that snakes in Tennessee can swim as well. And so I, I'm just sitting there. My camera, or my parents' camera at the time, was ruined, and uh, I swam as far away as I could, and I never felt more like a coward in my life. Uh, it was a devastating moment for me. I, I remember it vividly, this, this moment where I just let fear just take over and I just booked it out of there and my whole life since then from that moment has been doing hard things so I have climbed mountains I have done marathons I have go jump in the lake every morning because I just want to do hard things I try my hardest not to be afraid again I take on nothing could be too much for me I I play in my head fast forward about I don't know seven years ago I, I had a panic attack I had taken everything on my own. I had thought I can handle everything and my heart started racing and if you have a panic attack, you know exactly what this feels like, right? You can't control what your thoughts, what your feelings, what your emotions are and your heart starts pounding you, you just have to take a breath and what I realized is that I had taken all of this energy from me being a 15 year old kid, swimming as fast away from that that snake and trying to take everything on my own and never being fearful again, all right? Today we're gonna talk about courage. And as I was thinking about this, I think a lot of people are holding some stuff that they need to be broken free of before I get into my sermon, okay? So I'm gonna have people bow their heads, all right? I, I think many of us, and I don't know, I'm not gonna have you raise your hand or anything, many of us, have began or have believed a lie that we are just fearful people. Many of us, I think, have been told that we're cowards, that our parents have said something to us or a family member or a friend has said something to us that we have allowed to set into our hearts, something that we can't take on hard things, that we can't uh, do hard things. Some of us have allowed anxiety and panic to rule our lives. Some of us, have tried to take on too much ourselves and the Holy Spirit's just revealing, I want you to release it. Now, here's the deal. I want you just to release the things that you're holding that you're fearful of right now. Whatever that is. Things that you do not believe that the Lord could change or the Lord could take away from you. Things that are so far from the the human mind of the way that the Lord wants to work. And you're going to have to face some giants. And we know that you're going to have to face some giants. But the Lord's going to give you courage. So just release it. Release it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, here's the reason I want to do that. I want you to get some things in your head. We're in a sermon series called A Church After God's Own Heart, and we're looking at the story of David. And one of the things that the, the, the Lord has been kind of planting on my head is that one of the things that he wants us to do for us to be a church after God's heart, exactly how he created us to be, is that you all are going to get to go through some training. I said this a lot, much, many of the time, church looks like us walking around the gym and looking at the barbells and the weight equipment and acting like we work down, amen? No, that's not going to happen in this church, right? The Lord has called you, the Lord has called us as a body, the Lord has called you as individuals to do hard things. But part of the problem is when we're faced with hard things, we haven't lift up the dart dumbbell and done some, some work first, right? And so we cower, we get fearful. And So a church after the Lord's, or after God's own heart, we're going to look at the story of David and Goliath today, but we're going to look at how does David get the courage? Because we can read this the wrong way. We can read this as, wow, there's just a, a moment of courage that's happening, but there's something deeper going on. So 1 Samuel seventeen three, the Phil Philistines occupied one hill, and the Israelites another, with the valley of between them, alright? We've got a battle lining up. We've got two great powers that are facing each other. Now, it's important to understand the Philistines, alright? Because many times, when we're faced with challenges or giants in our lives, there are internal narratives that are taking place about who we are and what the challenge or who the challenge is, alright? And so, we have to look at who are the Philistines. Now, the first interaction between the Israelites and the Philistines actually happened with Abraham, if you remember this. In Genesis, there's a king Abimelech, and throughout the Hebrew scriptures, Abraham's going to face King Abimelech, but we're also going to see over and over again, the Philistines keep coming up, all right? So Abraham and Abimelech have this Interaction, but it's relatively peaceful. If you remember, this is who he tricks uh, Sarah and says, this is actually my, my uh, sister, not my wife. And so we see this. And then Isaac and Rebekah do the same thing. There's water rights in a desert, so it's a big deal, okay? So there's all this happening. But at the same time, it remains peaceful. But then God uh, takes the Israelites out of Egypt, and as this is happening through Moses, the Philistines are now a nation to be reckoned with, right? There are conflicts from generation to generation. And as the nation of Israel grew in strength and moved into the promised land, simultaneously the Philistines grew in power and ambition. And so the beginning of 1 Samuel, we see the Philistines actually take the Ark of the Covenant. All right. You've got to read this story because it's one of the best stories in the entire Bible. And then the the Israelites get the Ark back. All right. But this is significant to the story. And so the Philistines, because of all this, become the arch enemies to the Israelites during the time of Saul. And so you have the Philistines on one hill and you have the Israelites on another hill. This is the backstory. It's always good to have the backstory. These two groups are facing each other again. 1 Samuel 17, 4, a champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. He was, his height was six cubits in a span and had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels on his legs. He wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin and slung on, was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him... And And kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistines said, This day I will defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing this, on hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. And short, this is a bad dude. We don't need to go into this very much. It's believed that he was nine feet, nine inches, all right? And second, he's a warrior. So in this text, a warrior would step up, and it was like the battle between all the armies is about to take place, but let's one-on-one battle to signify what's about to happen. So this nine-foot dude steps up, and he says, who's going to fight me, all right? And so not only is he a giant, he's decked out with every armor and everything that you could imagine. And number three, he's got an attitude. You don't mess with this dude. He's a warrior, okay? So he's got the physical stature, he's got the armor, he's got the weapons, and he's got the attitude. He's invincible. When you look at it from your logical eyes, he's invincible, okay? And that's how Saul and the Israelites interact. They're scared out of their minds, alright? And they've been probably terrified, not only by sight, but they remember the stories from generation to generation. If you remember when the promised land, when it's time to take the promised land, Moses sends out some spies. He's like, go into the promised land. Look at what there is. And they come back and they say, there's giants in the promised land. And again, there it says that the Israelites were terrified. If I told you all that giants were about to invade Lakewood, Washington, I guarantee you all would be terrified. Myself excluded. I'd be like me jumping in the the lake, swimming away from the snake, right? The report is not good. And again, here they see a giant standing in front of them. And notice it says Saul and the Israelites were afraid. If you remember last week, we talked about this. How was Saul defined? Saul was defined as the tallest and the most handsome dude in all of Israel. So this is the guy who should be fighting Goliath. So what do you do when the leader doesn't step up? Because this is what's supposed to be happening. So now David enters the story, and his three older brothers are with Saul at the battle. In those days, military rations weren't a thing, and so Jesse, his dad, sends him with some food to go up to the brothers. So let's see what happens. Early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of the shepherd of a shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle position, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up the lines facing each other. David left his sayings with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines, and asked his brothers how they were. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped up from his lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. Now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how, how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. All great stuff in David's eyes, right? David asks the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills the Philistines and removes the disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Phil- Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? All right. Amen. Let's skip, skip ahead. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Now what have I done, said David? Can't I even speak? He then turned away to someone else and brought up the the same matter, and the men answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent to him. David said to Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, You are not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior since his youth. So all the Israelite men and Saul are cowardly, and David responds not cowardly, he responds in outrage. He's, you could chalk this up to youthful ambition, right? You could say, hey, he's just young, he doesn't know what he's saying. Saul tries to do that, right? But no, he responds with outrage. He's like, look, I'm deeply disturbed by this Goliath character. He recognizes that Goliath isn't just mocking the people of God. He's mocking God himself. And so he says, I'll fight him, right? And when you read this line, many of us, or at least I do, read it and we think, man, if I could only be as courageous as David. Do you ever read that? you ever read a story in the Bible and say, if I could only be this or I could only be that, if I could only be as courageous as David in this moment, See, David doesn't find a moment of courage here. You could read it wrong that way. He lives a life of bold faith. And we are going to look at three things in David's life that sets him up for this moment. Many of us just face giants or face obstacles, and we don't think about the ways that God has come through for us all the time. And so we back down, all right? So there's three fearless moments. First, God is always, always in the process of building your courage. He's always in the process of building your courage. When Saul says to David, you are just a kid, you don't know what you're saying, you cannot go fight Goliath. Let's look at how David responds. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he, was defi- he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. Saul said to David, go, the Lord be with you. <laughs> When you face giants, okay? When you face obstacles, there will be people who encourage you, okay? There will be. There will also be people like Saul who say, you cannot take on this giant. Some of you are new to this church. We have been through a lot as this church. I had more people telling me this will not work than people telling me this will work in Jesus' name, all right? You face obstacles. You face challenge. And like Saul, you're going to have a lot of people say, you're too young. You're too ignorant. You're too weak. You're too afraid. You're too anxious. You're too fill in the blank. Because this is how they view the situation on a logical end. Many of you have had UR fill in the blank" said to you. Okay, here's the deal. Those people have not been through the challenges that you've been through. Not only have they not been through the challenges that you've been through, they haven't seen you in the challenges that you've been through. They haven't seen your sleepless nights. They have not seen your prayer times. They have not seen you overcome. They have not seen times where God came in the middle of it all, right? And so you can begin to believe the lies that are said to you, that are said about you. Or you can begin to reflect on your life and say, when did the Lord bring a lion when did the Lord bring a bear and I overcame it alright so David calls Saul out David says before God put me in front of this giant he has put me as a shepherd and in that time I faced a lion and a bear okay now I want to this is a, a little far-fetched for me on the bear of the line. Maybe your head's going that way. When I was a little kid, I went to church with uh, several Indianapolis Colts players and several Indianapolis Colts coaches. One of them was the head lifting coach for the Indianapolis Colts. The biggest dude that you could imagine. This guy, he must have just ate like a dozen eggs every morning for breakfast, all right? And as a punk kid, if you picture my son Abe, I was about Abe's size. And every, every Sunday, I would run into church, and I would go punch this dude in the gut, right? Because I like to wrestle. I like to get scrappy. And he would hang me upside down. And he would always tell me this story about how he fought a bear for a fundraiser, okay? Now, I looked this up because I told Meg this story, my wife, and she said, that is not a thing, Kurt. You know that is not a thing. So I looked it up. Did you know that bear wrestling is only, only illegal in 20 of the 30 states? Or the 50 states. That means 30 states you can still wrestle a bear, if you want to. This is an amazing country we live in, amen. Land of the free. <laughs> as <laughs> yeah, a matter of fact in those 30 states most of it, it's only a misdemeanor if you find a bear this is amazing but i also looked it up and oftentimes when you wrestle a bear they put a muzzle on the bear and they take out his claws okay so this is everyone's rolling their eyes like oh well then that's not really you still would not wrestle a bear even without claws without muscle i guarantee it let's be honest this is not what david did A bear took a sheep, he chased after it. He took it and he struck it, all right? This is what's happening. To protect the sheep. So for him, a Philistine giant was nothing for him it was just another wild beast because God had been preparing him so this courageous moment was in the works back then okay this courageous moment isn't just a moment of finding the courage it's God preparing him and building him up to fight Goliath was just another wild beast now what do we do with that Again, as we step up to what God has for us, part of the idea of this sermon series is that I believe we are in a season where God is calling people to rise up, to advance his kingdom through you all, not through the church staff. We talk about this all the time, all right? And so as we do that, we, to lead new ministries, to move where God wants you to do, we will have to have courageous moments. This is why many of us back down. Because when we call people to the next level, we're calling you to harder things. We're calling you to face more giants. We're calling you to face more obstacles, to face more challenges. But as we face those moments, we have to remember what God has done for us in the situations he's put us in. Here's my question for you. When you go through hard things, do you reflect on hard things? Spend some time journaling today, this week, about the times God has come through for you. Because here's the truth. Here's the truth. It doesn't get any easier. We all will face obstacles and challenges. Some of us are facing it right now. Some of us have diagnoses that we have to push through. Some of us have lost your job and you didn't choose fear and you trusted in the Lord. Some of you have had tough conversations that you need to have with someone that you pray about and you come back through better the other side. All these things matter to God because he's building you up into who he desires you to be. Here's the problem. We have this thing called mind numbers in our society. These places that we can go to when we face giants, when we face obstacles, when we face things that we need to walk through, we can go to the bottle, we can go to the TV, we can go to the Netflix, we can go to the pills, we can go to pornography, we can go to whatever it is, and we face this giant, we face this obstacle, and we back down, and we go to these numbers instead, all right? Now, here's the problem. The Lord wants you to walk through the obstacle because He's developing you into who He desires You to be. But when we face the obstacle, we have a choice of which one we will be. Because we so easily, easily can be the Philistine or can be the Israelites and Saul in this fearful. Because we haven't faced our bears. We haven't faced our lions. We've run away the times that the Lord has said, I need you to walk through this moment because I'm developing you and I'm making you into who I've always wanted you to be, okay? What do we also see? Number two, God uniquely created you to fight your giants, okay? God uniquely created you to fight your giants. We are in a time where most of us are walking around trying to be something or be someone you were never meant to be. Okay? Social media does this to all of us. Okay? There's a comparison game that is running amok with people, right? If I had a bigger platform, if I had more followers, if I just acted this way or looked this way, then the Lord would use me or or that I would get more respect or I would get more admiration whatever it is the challenge with this way of living is number one it's robbing you of your joy turn it off shut it off right now shut it off I don't even know how this is not like a game anymore okay this comparison game this this trying to be something that you're not is robbing your joy there's something else going on where you don't actually know how you were you were uniquely wired okay you don 't know how you were uniquely wired when you tried to be someone or something that you were never meant to be. for Samuel seventeen 38 through forty then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened it on his sword fastened his sword on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around. Because he was not used to them, I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and his sling on his hand approached the Philistine. All right? We see something here that often happens to us. What do we first notice here? The giant needs to be faced, okay? Okay? And Saul, the one who's too afraid to fight him, is like, David, here's what you need to do, okay? Oftentimes, when we're faced with challenges, we're faced with giants, we start, like David, getting advice from people that were too scared to take on the giant, all right? And we can listen to those people, okay? Okay. He's like, here's the armor you need. Here's the sword you need. Here's what you need to do. Do this. Do that. And often we listen to the voices of the people not willing to go to the battlefield with us. Saul's going to armor him up and he's going to go, there you go, David. Go ahead. Go right out there, right? You take the bullets. I'm reading into this, but... I'm in my head. This picture of David walking around looking completely ridiculous in Saul's gear, right? He's tripping over himself. Things are falling off. He can't get anything together. Now here's the truth. I think most of us look like that as well. Here's the truth when you try to be something or someone that you were never meant to be, you look ridiculous. You look like David walking around in Saul's gear, tripping over himself. And David's like, I know that I look ridiculous. I have self awareness here, okay? This is not going to work. We look like David trying on Saul's armor. And honestly, we feel ridiculous at the same time. So if you feel ridiculous and other people think you look ridiculous, stop doing it. But the opposite is true as well. I can imagine in that room people snickering and laughing because when we truly walk fully into who God wanted you to be, who God created you to be, when you take off the armor and you take off the sword and you're like, you know what, I'm just going to go in with a slingshot, people think you look ridiculous as well. But I guarantee you won't feel ridiculous on the inside. So either way, people are going to think you look ridiculous. Why not choose to feel internally like you don't look ridiculous? People start doubting you saying you'll never succeed, you won't take on a giant like that, but David knows who he is. You have to know who you are when you're about to face an obstacle and a challenge. You have to know what, God, how God created you and how he uniquely wired you when you face some of the biggest challenges in your life. Now it's interesting, Mark and I were talking about this. I didn't read into this, but he thought this was always interesting. The narrative is that he takes it off because it's too big for him. That's the narrative. That's how people oftentimes look at it. But he doesn't say that. He says, I'm not used to this. I'm not comfortable in my own skin. I, I can't use these for the unique skills that I have, right? He seems to be saying, this is not me. And David knows how God uniquely created him. Later he writes in Psalm 139 let's pull this up. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. The Creator uniquely created you. Okay? the creator of the universe uniquely created you David knows long before he was anointed as king, long before he fought lions and bears long before he had to face a giant that God knit cell by cell exactly who he desired him to be not only did he in the unformed body not only in his mother's womb but then he put things in his life to continue to form him You will continue to be shaped with every relationship, every challenge, every joy, every dream, every hope that God has put in you. You are wonderfully and beautifully made, and you are being built up by God. Let's face some lions and bears, all right? Lastly, we see this. He operates knowing who God is. Again, David does not magically come up with a moment of courage, okay? That's how we can read the story, but that's not what's going on. He is living a lifestyle of bold faith. 1 Samuel 17, 41-47. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield- shield-bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was, li- uh, uh, was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome and he despised him he said to david i am a dog am i a dog that you come at me with sticks and the philistine cursed david by his gods Come here, he said, and I will give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine armies to the bird and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And all those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. Notice David is undaunted by Goliath's words and threats, okay? He's like, look, Philistine, it's not going to, I'm not going into this battle ignorantly, okay? Look, it says this. He knows the arsenal that this dude is carrying, and he tells him, I see that you have a spear. I see that you have a javelin. I see that you have armor. Not, not only that, but you are nine foot tall. We're looking at all the details, okay? This is all true. I'm looking at this, okay? But David makes Goliath know, David is aware of only one military advantage that he has. He only has one military advantage. What is that? The advantage is the name of the Lord Almighty. He comes with courage because he's face bears and lions. He comes not carrying a heavy sword and tunic because he knows who he's uniquely made. And then he comes and he says, I only have one advantage to you. Look at you. I see you. You are everything they said is true about you. But I have the name of the Lord Almighty on my side. Goliath and all the Israelites miss this. They view Goliath as having all the advantages, but really Goliath was outnumbered because David was with had the Lord fighting on his side. Yes, amen. And because of that, only the Lord, a Lord, the Lord alone, was worthy of praise. So we see David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, without a sword in his hand. He struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the sheath. After he killed him he cut off his head with the sword. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they ran away, right? Look, I believe that the, the next season for Redeem, the next season, if you call this place home for you, is to step up to the next level of what God has for you, okay? I don't think that's unique to Redeem. I think that's just the story of us, right? The story of us is never giving up, or the story of us in the human condition is to say the Lord Almighty is calling me to the next thing because He wants the kingdom to advance, right? He, he wants to see people come to know the, Lord, the love of the Lord. He wants to see See miracles happen. He wants to see us walk through the challenge and the obstacles that we never thought were possible because he's forming us as we go. Yeah. With it, the promise is true. You're going to face more obstacles. You're going to face more challenges. Now here's the good news. You're going to face them either way. Mm-hmm. This is the story of life, right? Yeah. As we step into this, We get to look at our obstacles and our giants completely different. When we face them head on, we have to remember all the micro moments of the Lord coming through for us. All the times that we got to face our bears and our lions and we saw the mighty hand of God on our life, right? We didn't go to numb the pain. We didn't go to the bottle, we didn't go to the pill, we didn't go to TV, whatever it was. We walked through it with the Lord on our side. Yes. And as we did that, I believe that we became more uniquely aware. We began to understand how God uniquely wired us. He, 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 The truth of who we are. And I believe that he, in the middle of the battle, he begins to cut off all the lies that were told about us. All the things that we believe that were never meant to be about us. All the truths and, or all the not truths about us of who we were. And he said, this is who I uniquely called you to be. And here, Here's the deal as a church. When people walk through the challenges, when people walk through the obstacles, when we see them face head on the Goliath in their life, we get to cheer for them, and we don't get to say, You don't, you could never do that. Let Pastor Kurt take that on. Let the elders take that on. No, we're gonna say, you can do this. You know exactly how you were wired. You know that the Lord is all working alongside of you. Remember that time when this happened, and we gotta walk alongside you, we gotta pray alongside you, we're gonna cheer alongside you, we're gonna say, This is who you uniquely. Are and the Lord is going to operate through you. Amen. Let me pray for you. I'm going to end here. You come on up, Jay. We're going to take communion. Amen. Heavenly Father, I don't know what's going on in this room. But whenever you get a room full of this many people, there's got to be challenges going on, many that I couldn't even believe people are going through. Pains and hurts, diagnoses, children far off. hopelessness, shame and guilt, these are just the ones popping in my head, Lord we know that you care so deeply about each person that's sitting here, David said it in Psalm, you uniquely, wonderfully, and beautifully made each person in this room. And when we understand that about ourselves, it helps us understand how much you love us. And the obstacles in our life, the challenges in our lives, the pains in our lives, the sorrows in our life, they change. And we're going to walk through them, Lord. So for each person here that's just in pain or sorrow or struggling or, Lord, we pray that you would, certain them the courage that they need to walk through it, Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in this body in Jesus' name, amen.